This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 462 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com, Sparkle and Boom, and Dr. Roses. Who could be more fascinating than Susan Oaks? She has overcome serious health issues to break two world height records in show jumping, side saddle. Plus the Horselovers.com product review of the Rambo Fly Mask. Listen in. You're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show, where hosts Glenn and Helena guide you through some of the horse world's most fascinating stories. Owning and loving horses means there's always a story to tell. It may be funny, exciting, or inspiring, but it will almost always be fascinating. Join us for The Scoop each week as we tap into the stories that are woven into everything we do, at the barn, at home, and everywhere in between. This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Stable Scoop Show. We appreciate you stopping by. I wanted to mention right at the top of the show that at the end of today's episode, after the Tack and Habit, we have a special little segment we put together for those that are interested and want to hang around. If you're interested in joining us on the Horse Lovers Cruise next year, or you've already signed up, or you're just interested and maybe thinking about signing up. Uh, We did, Jennifer and I and Rhonda, our legacy listener, did a little review of our cruise that we took a couple weeks ago. So it's about 10 minutes long. Rhonda interviews us, and she's our cruise director for the Horse Lovers Cruise coming up. But we kind of talked about our Royal Caribbean cruise and uh, how much we're looking forward to the next one with all of you. So if you want to hang around for that, it'll be at the end of the show. So I, I, no, I noticed that you posted, last week we talked about Brody, and this week you have a development. That's, uh, that's Helena's horse. Brody, the Broadster, the Beaster, Bed Hat Harry, the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> he is home. So he went to uh, Nora Harris Equestrian for two months as sort of a boot camp program. And he's been doing wonderfully. And, you know, when you put your horse back in serious work, all kinds of things pop up, you know, training issues and physical issues. So he's, but he's been wonderful. He's healthy. He's happy. And, uh, you know, he's now he's back home. Well, I, it was interesting because I was fascinated to see how different he behaves while schooling at home in a grass field than how he behaves when we are working in either an outdoor ring or an indoor ring. And I got him home and he was just like super pokey. He's very happy to be here. His buddy Dog Dog was very happy to see him. We've hacked out on the roads a couple of times, all with great results. So I started to, you know, get back to flatting, serious schoolwork in our field. And Brody decides that he's just going to be like Mr. Pokey Bum, like tripping over himself and you know, just being wiggly and all this stuff. I'm like, what happened to this beautiful horse that I've been riding all spring? And so I'm like, you know, it can't just be the footing change. Yes, it, some of it can be the footing change, but this felt more like an overall attitude problem. So something I noticed he started to do just before we left Nora's, maybe like two weeks before we left Nora's, was when I would take off his halter and go to put the bridle on, he would turn his head away from me. And he'd be avoiding the bridle. Which Scooter's so, done since day one. So you're just like, okay, yeah. is, is he avoiding work? Is there something about the bridle that doesn't, doesn't he like? The bit? He doesn't like, yeah. he doesn't like the bit. Does what's happening, right? So, um, you know, you play with a, around with a couple of things and you just kind of watch it and wait and see what happens. Well, I got him home and the behavior continued, but he always takes the bit. He never... He doesn't clamp his teeth closed or anything like that. And he doesn't, he doesn't exhibit any other mouthy behaviors, rooting behaviors, nothing that says the bit is bothering him. So I thought, well, it's got to be his teeth because he's overdue for his teeth. And let me stick my hand in there and see what I got, you know? So I know it's dangerous to put your hand in your horse's mouth, especially way back in the back where they tend to get sharp, sharp edges on their teeth. And he's got some sharp edges. Nothing that I would say, ooh, ow, poor thing. But he definitely needs a good float. So that may be part of the problem. And the reason that I 
so, so, okay. So I'm like, all right, well, if this is the problem, let's see what he does without a bit in his mouth. Let's just attach a couple of reins to his halter and walk truck here. See what we get. He could be a total freak show. I have no idea. I've never ridden my halter, my horse in a halter before ever. So I took a nice pair of leather laced reins and I hooked them into the cheek pieces of his bridle, of his halter. And we walked around and he's like, well, what's happening here? This is different. I kind of like this. And then we picked up the trot and he was happy to go forward, still as wiggly as ever. And then we tried the canner, which was a little scary for me because (laughs) Brody is a small but dense and powerful horse. And when he wants to go, he goes bit or no bit in his mouth. And he was a perfect gentleman. We had, and then, you know, so this was just my test run. How is he going to be? Is he, is he going to realize that he has no breaks and can do whatever he wants? Or will he be respectful of all the other training aids that we've been using? He was very respectful. So the next day I did the same thing. Only we really started to work and I started to use the reins to talk to him and to ask him to bend, to transition downward, set him up for a nice canter to part, all the things that you use a traditional snaffle bridle for. He said, okay, we're just putting pressure on his, the nose band of his halter. And there was enough, there was enough connection between the reins and the cheek pieces of the halter where I could put pressure on each side of his face, you know, to communicate sort of lateral movement, to move his shoulder or to move his shoulders. And that worked really well. But I noticed, though, that he was still kind of piggy. You know, if, if he doesn't, if we're, if we're making a nice circle, actually, Bertie doesn't make circles. He makes eggs, <laughs> he, amoeba-like eggs. <laughs> if we're going past the gate, he just stops listening to everything. You know, he just stops listening to everything. And I go to pull that inside rein, tug on the halter a little bit, and he locks up that jaw and shoulder just as if he had a bit in his mouth. So when Brody decides he wants to go in one direction, despite the fact that I'm asking him to go in another direction, his physical habits are the same. He'll lock the jaw, lock the shoulder, bulge his belly, you know, those all those, those civil protests that mm-hmm. our horses give us. So the, my takeaway from these exercises is this. I have the same horse with a bit in his mouth or not a bit in his mouth. So he, he was just as easy to communicate with. He was listening, but when he decides he doesn't want to listen, he doesn't want to listen. Yeah. So it's not his more of an attitude problem. Totally. It's totally an attitude problem. Now, how do I work with that attitude problem without anthropomorphizing? How to not blame my horse for his attitude problem. Instead, understand it figure out what the attitude is, and then come up with a series of aids that can help him work through that attitude. Be interesting to try him with a bitless bridle because, you know, obviously they, they function much like the halter, only they enhance the pressure points. Yep. So that would be interesting to see. That is, so I'm next. That's next on my list is to find a a Dr. Cook's bitless bridle that I can borrow and try that on him. And I can put a bit. If he doesn't need the bit, why bother? You know, if if it's not a runaway issue and he's, you know, he's stopping just fine. Stopping doesn't seem to be an issue. I went up to a double jointed Uxeter Kimberwick to hunt him in. And. Honestly, I don't have any better breaking power with the Kimberwick <laughs> than I did with the Snaffle. I swear to you. When Brody decides he wants to go. He has a little bit of that happy attitude. That's for sure. Oh, and if it's at a gallop and he's having a good time, it's seriously a one rain stop or nothing. If it's on my terms, I'm good. <laughs> so that doesn't mean I'm going to hunt this little bugger in a bitless bridle. I'm going to put as much hardware in his mouth as I can at that point. <laughs> they might not let you on the field with one anyway. <laughs> like, uh, like, you're not going to kill the rest of us. <laughs> but it is very, it's, it's a really interesting experiment yeah. because you're, we're so reliant on the bit. It's such a source of confidence for a lot of riders. Even like me, I barely touch the thing. My horse came with an incredibly hard mouth because he was a trail horse and he had done lessons. So my goal was 
let's just make his mouth as soft as we can get it. And he's leagues better than when he was five years ago when I got him. So I try really hard to pay very close attention to my contact. The problem is Brody needs contact for a lot of stuff because he is a little bit lazy. You have to support his front end. You have to use two hands and two legs in order to keep him straight because he wiggles. He bulges his belly. So it's very, I'm always up against this, oh, I hate to touch his mouth, but yet I really need to. So I will be very interested to see how much support a bitless bridle can give us as we're schooling, how much athletic support. I think our, our listeners, you guys know what I'm talking about. You do need to support your horse. So I'm, this is a huge and wonderful question mark that's in my mind right now. I am very eager to see what the answer will be if we try the bit list. Very cool. Well, that is interesting. And, you know, most people never try it because they, one, uh, not too scared, but you're a little nervous to do that for fear of what will happen. And you don't yep. have to, you know, usually like Jennifer just got another bit in today that she's still experimenting with bits, uh, you know, about what's going to work in Nigel's mouth. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's think- some drivers that actually do bitless, which yeah, that's scary for me. <laughs> you know, it, it all depends on what's, whether or not the bit is a distraction for them or the optimum communication tool. Right. I mean, it really, it, and pe- people who say bits are only for communication are full of malarkey. I'm sorry, but that bit is a serious break for a lot of people. Yep. And it's necessary. It, that, that doesn't mean you want to get up there and you you want to ride your horse with 10 pounds of contact or 20 pounds of contact every single time. But there are horses who will just ride right through it. And you need some, you need it. First you driving just, pony it. I had, we always joked because uh, she, uh, she used to be a race pony in, in like the fair circuit. Yeah. So she pulled the cart with the reins. It, you know, I, the traces never did anything. It was, and my arms were always exhausted when I was done driving <laughs> her because that's just how they did it, you know, and yeah. that's what she learned. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you couldn't train it out of her. It was, she was just, that's the way she did it. And right. she was a great driving pony. She was responsive. She stopped. She went. She was scared of nothing. Uh, but boy, you know, the one thing she had, Jennifer, you know, worked with her forever and said, you know, this is just the way this pony's going to be. Uh, so we just have to put a bit in that's not going to hurt her, and uh, that you know, and you didn't need much bit, <laughs> yeah, because she was very responsive. But boy, she was pulling that cart with the reins, and th- that's hard after when you go for four hour drives. Jeez, <laughs> your arms but are yeah, exhausted. You, you do have to experiment, and you also have to control the variables. So you have to say, okay, I can't switch bits today because the footing is so different than yesterday. Right. If my horse goes differently, I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to know if it's the bit or if it's the footing. So it, it's it's challenging, especially when you have, um, uh, you know, a, your backyard horse owner and you don't have consistent footing and you don't have a consistent training schedule. So my job right now is to control all the other variables as much as possible so that right now we're just working with his mouth. The, the pokiness issue, I believe, may be the result of being back in a grassy environment. Because, so basically allergies. (laughs) He's been on, you know, Norris Place is a full service boarding barn. They barely have any grass there because the horses just beat it down, right? And it's been, he's, he went all winter here, which there's no grass because it's winter. And then he spent the last two months or spring in a place that has very little grass. When I first got Brody, he had spring allergies and I would have him on something called Trihist which is, you know, like a horsey allergy medicine, prophylactically. And he'd be great. Well, over time, he stopped showing his symptoms. You know, his eyes didn't run, his nose didn't get runny, he didn't cough. So we took him off the trihis and he's been fine. But now you take a horse and you put him on, you know, dry lot for a couple of months and then you bring him back to spring bloom at home, full grass. I'm thinking that he's having a little bit of a return of the the allergies. So we'll, well, we'll see what happens after he gets his teeth done too. Sometimes exactly. you're surprised that, that how much that helps. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. The vet's coming today to do everything, including teeth. Well, give us an update next week. 
Yeah, it's fun. I mean, as long as my horse is comfortable, which I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> um, oh, Brody's in Appaloosa. He'll let you know he's not comfortable. This is true. <laughs> He'll let you know. He'll That'll be pretty letter. clear. <laughs> Your horses have always let you know when they're comfortable. <laughs> uh, I am, a l- and you know what? I'm a, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that way because some people get in the saddle and you're like. They don't really care what's happening with their horse until the horse screams at them that something's wrong. I'm one of those people who's like, are you okay? Oh my God. Did I just hurt you? Am I sitting crooked? Are we, is that, is that too much leg? Is that not enough leg? Am I annoying you? You know, I'm overly concerned with it. Sometimes I think I just need to give my horse a big old boot. <laughs> a little obsessive sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. That's what makes you so special. Thank you. You're- Thank you. Speaking of uh, being special, let's take a break here for Sparkle and Boom, and we're going to come back with our fascinating guest for the day, Susan Oaks. Sparkle and Boom is a marketing company catering to small and medium-sized businesses. Their goal is to add some sparkle to your marketing in order to get some boom in your bottom line. They do it by engaging your target market with an elegant style and genuine message, a message that shines a light on what's appealing, unique, better, and awesome about your business. Sparkle and Boom can help you to reach new customers with a message that is both meaningful and effective at driving new business. Click over to sparkleandboom.com for more information. That's sparkleandboom.com. Well, coming up next, we have a fascinating guest. Her name is Susan Oaks. She has broken two world records. She's from Ireland. She has broken those world records in passants, in high jumping, uh, show jumping for height. And But the unique thing about her is she has done it side saddle. Not only that, she's... Uh, She's dealt with some serious health issues that she's had to overcome in life, and we're going to talk about those, too. And all of this contributes to, actually, some Guinness World Book of Records. Records. We're going to find out more about that right now. Well, hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, Susan, I have to ask you, we, we, in the introduction, we talked about your world records. Do you still hold the world records for, for the height? Oh, yes, I still do. Um, I still hold the six foot five over the triple bar and six foot eight over the puissance wall. Now, is that... And I also jumped a, meet, a meter 40 on the Connemara pony. <laughs> so is that just for is that record for side saddle or for everything for jumping period that no that's just for side saddle high jumping yeah i thought so and, and but you know that's still crazy by the way so uh, <laughs> that's just nuts i watched the video i was like is she crazy so when did you take a, i assume you've been riding forever when did you take up side saddle i was age four when i started riding side saddle because some of my grand aunts uh, before me had ridden side saddle so there was an old side saddle in the tack room so I went down and I got my mum to put it on we had an old donkey called Rosie and I started <laughs> riding side saddle age four on a donkey okay how cute is that that's so cute <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I assume you were jumping the donkey no the donkey didn't really like to move that fast <laughs> Where do you get your need for speed? I mean, there's, um, you have a reputation. You are a serious and talented rider and clearly an adrenaline junkie as well. What have you always been that way or have horses sort of introduced you to the excitement of this kind of sport? I have always really been an adrenaline junkie. I'd say even from when I was a child, but it has been always horse related. So I like jumping big jumps and then I also like going fast. And I'm very lucky that I have ridden in a lot of races over the equivalent to your timber racing. Yep. Um, and also I get to to jump pretty high over the puissance wall and show jumpers. Yeah, you timber racing is even crazier than than anything else, in my opinion. Tim, you know, you're probably a fox hunter, too, I would assume. But timber racing is just nuts. Yeah, oh my God, it was a great experience last year to get to ride in the three um, timber races, side saddle in the USA. Um, and again, a few weeks ago, I rode in Kentucky. Um, I wrote, won the first ever, the inaugural running of the Dianas of the Chase in the UK over the big hedges. So racing is like, I really love my racing. I guess. 
And and everything you do is side saddle or do you still ride astride? I ride astride as well. Um, I am the master of a fox hunt here in Ireland and I hunt both astride and side saddle. I compete both astride and side saddle. Tell us a little bit about the fox hunt you're a master of. I am master of the Grala Harriers, even though it's a har- it's called the Harrier Pack. We're actually a fox hound pack um, because it started off as a Harrier. Uh, and they're in Galway on the West Coast. And we jumped the infamous stone walls in Ireland. So it's one of those crazy hunts that we all hear about here in the United States. Oh, yeah. It's one of those and the big stone walls. Um, but we're very lucky with the Irish horses and the Irish country that we really have great fun and it's great for everyone involved. By the way, uh, it's still on my wife's bucket list for her and Helena to go on, on a fox hunt together in Ireland. You two need to yes. make that happen someday. Yes. I want to get on one of those big Irish horses that just pack you around. <laughs> you know, they, they, they know their job. You make friends. They're like, oh, don't worry, kid. I'll take you around. <laughs> Do you yeah, think well, you are always more than welcome? What what do you think people would be surprised to know about side saddle riding? Um, uh, you really need a very strong core, and it's actually I find your core is the most important thing to keep you in the saddle. Yeah, because so, you don't have you yeah, don't have that so opposing much. forces of a leg on each side of the horse's body. So really, the balance comes ninety percent from your core, right? Yeah, which probably people don't really realize, or you mightn't really actually see it. But your core is everything, and like even the next day, you're always there. Like I even find that my core would like it would be sore. You hunt it for like five hours. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I would venture to say most of me and most of my listeners would be sore for about a week. So um, I understand. That. <laughs> now, <laughs> um, so so the other thing, too, is I know, you know, I'm a chronic Lyme disease uh, person who's dealt with that for 13 years. And I know you've had some things over the years health wise that you've had to overcome too. Uh, infections and you had a, a really bad accident where you, you broke your lower back. Can you talk about that a little bit and how how that did it change you at all or the way you do things or did it make you more what the gusto? Um, believe it or not, uh, I've had probably I've probably been very lucky that I've probably just broke my um, ankle, my collarbone, and I fractured um, my coccyx. That was just from horse related falls. Um, so I think overall, from all the wild things I have taken on, that's not too bad. And then I unfortunately got glandular fever, which probably took six months, six months to a year to come out of my system because I work in the dental game and it could be related to the saliva. That's how that probably happened. And then I was uh, jumping in New York show last September and I was warming up on Long Island and unfortunately my saddle snapped and I landed on my feet and the the shock actually went up through my body and I had two bleeds on the brain and so I, I don't really remember two months I don't really remember October November and maybe December I lost my speech and my eyesight in my left eye but I'm really delighted to say everything is healing well and coming back well that had to be scary though for a couple of months (laughs) wow Uh, I don't think to me it really wasn't scary Uh, I have the video clip of what happened I didn't hit my head I landed on my feet and it was just an unfortunate freak accident. No, I don't mean the accident so, scary, but the time after happen. the recovery when you didn't know what was going to happen, you know, how much you would recover. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, there was a lot of frustration and because you you can't do all the things that you used to be able to do. And I couldn't ride a horse for at least four to five months. Uh, and I don't think I've ever not been on a horse for four to five months. <laughs> 
so yeah that was quite frustrating and but I I'm very very grateful that I'm now on the other side of it and I'm lucky to be able to ride a horse every day now Mm. so do you get a chance to just kind of get in the saddle for relaxation I mean hunting is pretty intense competing is pretty intense what does a day look like for you especially during your recovery time where um where you just get in the saddle and relax a little bit can you do that oh yeah I can um and I'm very lucky in the winter time we part live down in Galway um so I did an awful lot of just trail riding and just to be sitting on the horse and for my muscle memory to to come back so I could go out on the horse for maybe two to three hours through forest and just trail ride um I all even today I still go for a walk up the roads and down the field so I do have my downtime as well yeah so Susan we ask uh, all the riders we talk to whether they're backyard riders or professional riders have, and I think you'll know what I mean by this have you had your lifetime horse I've had my yes I've had so many different top class horses for all my different aspects of what I compete at. Um, but the one that really sticks out in mind is Atlas, the one that I jumped the six foot eight over the puissant wall. Uh, he was just the most incredible animal. And he was just like a, an angel sent to carry me over that wall. So for that, I'm, I'm forever grateful to Atlas. Was that the gray one? That's the gray, one of the grays? Yeah, that's the gray one, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, we'll is. post a picture of that in our show notes. We have a picture of you doing that wall with, with the gray one. It is interesting, though, because we all, you know, it's hard to answer that lifetime horse question, yet we all, because you feel guilty when you're not mentioning all the rest of them. Uh, but yet there still is, it's, I, I believe it's that way with dogs too. I believe you have a lifetime dog, but you know, because you do feel a little guilty cause they're all cool, but then there's just that special one that shows up. I don't know. I always think yeah, the special he, one is, they're was, all special though. The next one could be special. The last one was, it's a really hard question to answer, but I don't think it's guilt based. I think it's more that, you know, some, sometimes we just, we connect with every horse that comes in our barn in that way, you see what's amazing about them and love them for that. Yeah. I've had so many different horses. And even today I, um, rode the horse that won the puissance in the Royal Dublin show last year with an Irish international rider. He jumped seven foot four and he's an incredibly special horse. Uh, and I've been so lucky that I've, really encountered some amazing ponies because I still hunt my Connemara ponies and then I would have my traditional Irish horses and then my thoroughbreds so it's really great that's neat well we thank you for joining us today and and uh for sharing your stories and and so if I look in the Guinness book you're still in there right now uh it wasn't actually believe it or not on the Guinness really records because when yeah because the guinness book of records only goes for the horse that jumped the biggest so it doesn't make Uh, any difference if it was bareback or with a saddle got it Uh, well they need to change that (laughs) i know i told them that you know i bet you did I bet you did. Well, th- thank you, Susan, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Do you have a website or Facebook page that we could share? Yeah, I have um, a Facebook page, Susan Oaks Equestrian. Very good. Well, thank you, Susan. Have fun Thanks, and good luck. Susan. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Take care. Well, that was Susan Oaks, and uh, wow, I don't. I that's high. I'm six one, so she was jumping uh, taller than me. What a lovely lass, as I they say. <laughs> Do you want to go what hunting with her? Did lass. that make you want to go hunting with her? I'm afraid. <laughs> go hunting with her. I would be afraid. She's the I master, which means, everybody, that she leads the parade. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> and if she's you're, the one leading your parade, you're going to have a hell of a parade. <laughs> I would like to watch her. I would love to be a Susan Oaks fan. <laughs> yeah, backfield. Exactly. I'll, I'll be the fox. God, I don't know. What a, what, yeah. a, what a ride that would be with her leading a fox hunt. 
It's in her blood, though, you know? It's in her. It's who she well, is. Well, if you, you like Big Jump, that. she's not going to take you over to the little ones. <laughs> no, goodness. God bless her. <laughs> well, let's take a break for Uncle Jimmy's, and we're going to come back with our product review of the week. Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products, where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love. The award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls. Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball. The incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar-Free. The amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker. And the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hangin' Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious flavored filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors, apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Up next, my favorite segment of the show, it's the Tack and Habit segment, sponsored by Horse Lovers. A reviewer this week is longtime listener and auditor, Avery Morgan, and she's going to talk to us about the Rambo Fly Mask Plus. Perfect time of year for it. Hi, Avery. Hi, Glenn and Helena. Thank you for having me. So, my horses are just starting to get annoyed over here in New England with the flies, and it's about the time of year I pull out their fly masks. Do you typically discover use that fly they masks? have holes and they're all torn apart from last year? <laughs> oh, they're ridic- yeah, exactly. ghetto masks is what I call them. I'm like, what did you guys do with these things? Um, so know. do I you was, typically I, use fly masks on your horses? I do. I do. And uh, they typically don't last very long, as Glenn just said. But yes, I, I have three horses that I wear fly masks in the summer and one horse that wears it year round for uh, some eye issues. Where do you live, Avery? Okay. Where are you at? Uh, I live in um, the Northwest in Washington State. So oh, you have no get, flies uh, up there at all. None at all. No, we, <laughs> we get quite a lot. Quite but a they lot. get. You have weather. You have seasons. So there's, you know, when there's a break, right? Like when winter comes, yes. you can sort of relax a little bit. Um, does the horse? Does one of your horses have uveitis? Yes, she does. She's uh, blind in her left eye, so we yeah. keep a fly mask on her. Uh, Every day, unless it's pouring down rain, which is kind of common up here. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. So for the most part, you use these for fly control. Yes. All right. Tell us about the Rambo mask you tried. Yeah. So I decided I've actually tried it on three of um, my horses, but I left it on the naughty one who is very hard on fly mask. He usually (laughs) goes through four or five in a season. Um, and so I got the horse size. He is a 16 two hand thoroughbred. He wears a fairly average, average size horse tack, um, and it fit him perfectly. And he looks very silly in it because it has the stiff, uh, plastic piece across the brow band that holds the mask away from his eyes. Yeah. Um, which, which I absolutely love. There's no poking the little eye hole pieces out, um, and there's no way for it to, to press against his eyes. So it fits him really well, and, and he seems more comfortable in it than the, the smaller mask. Now, does the one that you tried have the little nose flap? It does. It has a removable nose flap, which I really like. Um, I did leave the nose flap on him, um, though I might take it off because he doesn't. he's got a, a black nose. He doesn't really need it, Yeah. although I think it gives him some protection against the flies as well. Um, but you can take it off and wash it cause it does get dirtier than the rest of the fly mask, which I like. Yeah. And um, so I can, I can wash it every couple of days without having to wash the whole mask. And the ears are that nice soft mesh. So 
They are, and they're a great size. Um, I put it on one of my mares who has larger ears to her head size, and she still had plenty of of room at the top. So they, they're going to fit a wide variety of, of head sizes and ear sizes. She's got donkey ears, Yeah, does, does she, she get picked on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a Mustang, and we often tease her that she has a donkey somewhere in her ancestry. <laughs> and she just might, actually. <laughs> Yes. Let's yes. go back to so, the let's go back to the the firm piece of plastic boning that that goes around mm-hmm. the eyes. You know, I, I'm every time I put a fly mask on my horse, I stick my hands up in there and I poke the eyes outward so that they don't because invariably those little those points on the mask will cave in no matter what you do. They just seem to want to cave in. And if your horse rolls and you know gets their face in on the mm-hmm. action. Then, then they get the mask that gets all jammed up with dirt, which is now somehow not, not just laying against their face, but as they move the little chunks of dirt, you know, shake off into their eyes. So, yes. And that's, that's kind of one thing I really like about this mask because I often will get to work or get to the barn after work and with the other mask and they have their little eyepieces poked in and I wonder how long they've been like that. Right. Um, so this one, if you picture um, like a brow band coming off of a bridle, but have it stick out about two or three inches from the horse's face, um, the mask is attached to that. So there's there's nothing close to the horse and there's nothing that's, um, you know, shaped just by the little darts that they put in the average fly mask. It's a, a, a flexible but firm plastic in there. Got it. I like it. I want one. Well, you can find them at horselovers.com. Just search for Rambo Fly Mask Plus and you'll find these. I really do like Scooter hates the masks that push on his eyeballs and he'll just take every one of them off. He just hates that eyeball thing. So I want to try this because of that. Yes, and I think he'll be more comfortable. And uh, Freddie has actually left his mask on, which is a very rare occurrence for him. He has not taken this one off, and I think it's because it's more comfortable. Well, and they go from small pony, pony, horse, and cob. So all of those sizes. And you, you thought it fit pretty true to size from what you're used to? They may even run a little bit big. Um, okay. On my Mustang, I think she would probably need a cob. Um, and she wears, she's on the smaller end of full-size tack. So okay. if you have a, a large warm blood, the horse is probably going to work. But if you have an average size horse, cob is probably a, a better fit. So, And they offer the four sizes, better. which is great. It's not yeah. just like horse or pony. They yeah, have... because mine's going to need the small pony. So, yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you, Avery. We appreciate it. Now, I did want to mention we have coming up in our next segment, uh, uh, we have coming up uh, a little review of the cruise that we just took. And did did I see that you're signed up for the Horse Lovers Cruise? I am. I have a, I have a cabin <laughs> reserved, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yay! We're looking forward to hanging out with you. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great to finally meet you guys in person. Well, you're going to want to listen to this show right after your segment because we're doing our review. Uh, Legacy listener and cruise director Rhonda interviews Jennifer and I about the cruise we just did at Royal Caribbean and and it's the same cruise lines. So we went over, uh, you know, some helpful hints and tricks too that we learned along the way. So you want to stay tuned for that. But thank you, Avery, and we'll look forward to seeing you in February. Thank you guys so much. Well, there you go. That's the product review of the week, horselovers.com. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, you need to go over there every day because they always have sales going on over there. They have unbelievable stuff on sale all the time. You need to stop over literally every day. And I guarantee you, Jennifer does, because I catch her closing the computer when I go by and I know what she's doing. <laughs> I know what she's doing. Well, as I said, coming up next, we are going to have our review. If you're interested in the cruise, if not, bail out now. You can find Helena at sparkleandboom.com. Yes, sir. And, of course, you can find the Stable Scoop show at stablescoop.com and all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. So this is a review done by our legacy listener, Rhonda, and who we're affectionately calling our cruise director for the Horse Lovers Cruise in February. So if you're interested, stay tuned. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another fascinating story. (laughs) 
Hi, everyone. The following is a quick review that Jennifer and I did about our cruise on Royal Caribbean Oasis of the Seas, the second largest cruise ship in the world. And we were interviewed by Legacy Listener and our cruise director for the Horse Lovers Cruise in February, Rhonda. So, guys, I've been dying to know what was your first impression of the ship when you walked on board? Jennifer? It seemed welcoming compared to the last time we went on a ship, which is, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. But, yeah, the interior design and, and how they put it up, it was very welcoming, which was pleasantly surprising. I'd have to agree. I think that the, we went on a carnival before, and it was a much different atmosphere than this one. And, you know, a lot of people warned us about <clears throat> getting on the ship. We waited about an hour in the waiting area, an hour and a half. But the the process, once they started loading people, it went fast. And considering that they were loading 6,400 people, I was yeah. impressed how not crowded that part seemed. So what was your favorite neighborhood? The, the Oasis has seven neighborhoods, I believe. And which one did you like the best? Oh, I liked Central Park. Okay. Oh, yeah. I love Central Park. I, I, Whenever Glenn would go off and do something I didn't want to do, I'd go hide in Central Park and I'd sit on one of the park benches. And um, let, let us explain what Central yes. Park is. Is yeah. They have these giant open decks on cruise ships where it's just a big open space surrounded on either side by usually retail stores or restaurants of some sort. So it's a little bit like a street. And it's open to the sky. So it feels like you're walking between two tall buildings in a city. And this one is called Central Park. And they made it very park-like. There are giant trees everywhere and plants. And some birds from some of the islands they visit have moved in. There are little tiny songbirds <laughs> flying around in there. Uh, and so it's very, very peaceful. And the restaurants all along there all have doors on the front so you don't get a lot of racket from the doors. So I would go in there and I'd sit down and I'd take my coloring book or one of my audio books or something. And... Uh, it was very relaxing. I, I enjoyed that a lot. You literally did not know you were on a ship when you were in there. You really no. didn't. Uh, that was How about the, you, Glenn? Well, that was the thing about the ship is so large that you didn't know you were on a ship. If you were anywhere in the neighborhoods that were inside the ship, you had no idea <laughs> that you were on the ship. My favorite part, I got to tell you what my favorite part was, and it wasn't any of the neighborhoods necessarily. It was, I thoroughly enjoyed going to dinner every night in the main dining room. You have options on a cruise, and we'll have options on our cruise coming up too, where you can go to the main dining room for dinner every night, or you can go to one of the many other dining rooms that are free, included in your price, for dinner. And But we loved going there a couple of the nights. We had two dress-up nights. We got all dressed up. But we loved our our servers were from China. Two girls from China, and they were lovely, and they knew what we wanted, and they had a, they had the things, the drinks we liked there every night when we got there. It was just, you know, we could pick multiple. We Many nights, we got two desserts. We ate one, and we brought one back to the room. So Glenn's favorite neighborhood is the food Is the food. Yeah, that's right. Food, <laughs> food <fits>. neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> so now, when you brought it back to your room, when did you possibly have enough room in your stomach to eat it the next morning for breakfast is what yes we would always we would oh. bring dessert back and have it in the morning for yeah. breakfast. It was we couldn't have it okay. we did not clever. have enough room. very clever okay so let's talk more about food yeah. so where did you have breakfast every day every day we had room service awesome. delivered to our room because we had a balcony awesome. room this time and we ate on the balcony every morning it's fantastic wow. we never <laughs> went so, to any and- restaurant for breakfast and is room service free, or did you have to pay for that? There, the way it's a limited menu, yes. and it's free. The, yeah. the, there's a limited there's menu a delivery that's free. Fee, if you there? want eggs or omelets or th- things like that, then you have to pay a delivery fee. Um, but we always got the. We just got the Continental every day. We got fruit. I we ordered two or three fruits every morning, and you could order as much as you wanted. Um, Jennifer would get a bagel and cream cheese, and they had gluten free bread for those that are gluten free that you could order, and they would deliver. So an excellent coffee. She loved the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Did you pay for any other food on board or you just went to the um ice cream? We bought ice cream. Yeah. They have a real fancy ice they have a Ben and Jerry's on board or this ship. They have regular soft serve that's free. Which was good. Yeah. Which was which it was pleasant soft serve, but we splurged one day and got fancy Ben and Jerry's um ice cream one day and we paid for that. And I had my one soda pop every day and I paid for that. Yeah, we didn't get a drink package. And one thing we discovered, people were asking about that, is the drink packages. Obviously, if you want alcohol, you get a, and you can either buy it by the drink, which is expensive, 
you know, $12, $14 of mixed drink or what, $8, $10 of beer, but, or you can get the, the package. And what did we determine, Rhonda, to get the drink package? It pays itself if you get like, what is it, six to eight drinks a day? It's a lot. Yeah. And, and if they're going to be the expensive drinks, not just beer. Right. Right. Yeah. You'd have to you have, have to eight drink to a lot. 10 beers. You have to drink <laughs> a lot. Like, yeah. A lot. Yeah. Like, like Matt always says, you have to do the math. Yes. Well, there were some people doing the math and drinking a lot to make sure they got up. They got up to their daily limit. Yeah. Yeah. And the 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 ship lost money on some of those folks. Scary. (laughs) I would have fallen off the balcony if I had had eight mixed drinks in a day. You know, if we were going to talk about highlights for me on the trip and Jennifer, you know, the highlight is when you go on a cruise, you relax. You know, it's the it's the first vacation, even over Rockies and all the ones we've done recently. It was the first vacation in a while that when I walked on the ship, that was it for me. Jennifer took a day or two to wind down, but I was done. I didn't think about work and I was done. I was relaxing. I posted a few things to Facebook and that was it. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, you're forced to, re- it truly is a relaxing vacation. Plus, everything's there. Food anytime you want. We were, we went up to the pools. We did, we did everything that cruise people do on a cruise. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, but most of the time, you're just either eating or relaxing. <laughs> and you know what yeah. I found, I found Mostly surprising. Eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found surprising too. And it took, like Glenn said, it took me a couple of days to really wind down. But once I finally did, uh, I was surprised how, you could be on this giant ship with a lot of people, yet it was very comfortable and very easy for me to just be somewhere and have quiet. And I felt like I was all by myself. Nobody bothered me. I wasn't required to make any decisions. I could do whatever I want. And that was very nice for me because I am not a people person by nature. So I like alone time. And I was a little concerned about having alone time. And I was very pleased that I felt like I had plenty of it. So what was your favorite port? Well, let's preface that with which ones we went to. Yeah, we went to St. Martin, uh, which is a uh, Caribbean, a very, very dirty Caribbean island. Uh, then uh, we went to Puerto Rico, uh, which we really liked. But the, our favorite port was the was Lavadi, which was the is the island is Royal Caribbean's island. So it's their beach stop, and it's all Royal Caribbean, and they run the whole the whole thing. And we really enjoyed Lavadi. Mm-hmm. Which is in Haiti. Puerto, yeah, Puerto Rico was a close second. Though. Yeah, we like Puerto Rico too. Puerto Rico was fun. What yeah, did, I'd go what back did there. you do in Puerto Rico? We did the one tour, uh, bus tour, uh, and then we came back and we saw all those sites in in Old San Juan, and then we walked down through what looks like it should be in New Orleans and French Quarter, their main strip there in Puerto Rico in Old San Juan. The Old San Juan part um, looks like looks just like. The French Quarter. New Orleans has been yeah. transported, except yeah. that there's a hill. And, yeah. it's, and it doesn't yeah, it really smell. Cool. <laughs> it doesn't like smell. New Orleans. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. Very similar architecture. And yeah. we found a little oh. re- local restaurant run by a family, and we ate lunch there, and it was so much fun eating there, and they took such good care of us. Uh, it, you know, Puerto Rico is wow. having a real tough time right now. They're broke and going bankrupt and all that stuff. So the businesses are hurting a little bit, and I think they're going out of their way to please the tourists. So that was kind of neat. Um we, we met a very nice lady with a greyhound. Yeah, that was we, fun. We met a lady with a greyhound there, and we sat and talked to her for half an hour. Uh, it, it <laughs> it's was, the little things, yeah, it was you know? little things. Yeah, it was neat. It, yeah, it is the people that you meet, and the, yeah, it's not the things that you were expecting to enjoy. It's the things that you end up enjoying. Yeah, when you get there. We were alone on this trip. We didn't have any family or friends along, and you've been you've done many cruises like that. But I am so, but you've also been on group cruises and I am really looking forward now after doing this alone one to doing it with a group of people that you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really nice with a group or just even another couple or I've gone with my parents and my in-laws and, um, yeah, it's nice to have other people to talk to, you know, that you already know. It's also, I think you meet possibly more people when you go on your own, like you were talking about. So 
you know, it, they're both good. It's, it's, there's no such thing as a bad cruise. That's true. <laughs> we are. We did meet. We met interesting people when we go to the trivia nights and the yeah. game shows and yeah, stuff we like did that. Have fun yeah. with that. We did. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to set it up so that at the at the dining room every night, we all our tables are going to be together. So we'll all be sitting together every night. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun now, too. If, if on day three. Nobody else shows up for dinner, Glenn. We're going to know what's going on. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Everybody will be mad at each <laughs> And that's the nice part is people don't have to go. If they want to go off and do something by themselves, they don't have to hang with the group. Uh, you can spend yeah, as much yeah, or as little. Yeah, they try the buffet yeah. or now, whatever suits. we did try a lot of the game things that they did there and the ship because there's a there's hundred things going on every day. And we did try a few of the games and we came up with a couple great ideas for the game, uh, for the game show. horse Woo-hoo! lovers game show that we're going to do on board. It's going to be fun! So we did come up with a couple of really good ideas. Nope. No! <laughs> I'll tell you. We'll tell you later. But it's uh, t- let's. It will involve a lot of people. We'll say that. Okay. Yes, and now there will I be cheering. A- it was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I can't wait to go back on the next one. Which was everybody who goes on cruises says that. But Royal Caribbean's are really good too. I mean, they were really good. Uh, yeah, they put out yeah, they are. just to give you some stats here, people. They put out two hundred and twenty-five thousand meals in that week. 225,000 meals in one week with 260 cooks. Um, now, the boat we're going on is going to be smaller. It's a smaller version. I think they use, what, the larger boats for the longer cruises, and they use the smaller boats for the shorter cruises. So ours will be smaller, but it doesn't mean there's, it's lacking any of the stuff to do or food. If you want to know more about our cruise and you want to join us, go to Horse horseloverscruise.com horseloverscruise.com all the details are there get your reservation in it's $200 to book a cabin and the rest of the money is not due to November 20th and pretty much you're looking at about $1,000 it came out to for two people in a cabin and you can choose whether you want an inside cabin a porthole or a balcony the choice is yours it's all on how much you want to spend we did find and this was a question we had from a couple people we have a couple of people that are in wheelchairs that were interested in going and uh, and they, they were all over the place. They, it is made for wheelchairs. Some of the ports they warned you may not be conducive to wheelchairs, but the boat certainly is. Charlotte, who is uh, a friend of ours here, is in a wheelchair, took a Royal Caribbean cruise of the Hawaiian Islands and said she didn't have any trouble. And she said, when you get the wheelchair room, it's double the size and it's really nice. So, so that's who you want to bunk with. Yeah, she said the bathroom's huge. Yeah. yes so that was cool uh so yeah so if you're in a wheelchair or you're one of our para riders or whatever looking at going i think you're going to be fine i'm looking forward to it horseloverscruise.com come and join us we've had i think 50 or 60 people sign up now so uh so it's going to be a nice size group